Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show for those who can never know enough about history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about what many consider to be the first modern laptop computer, Apple's industry-changing PowerBook 100. The day was October 21st, 1991. Apple launched its PowerBook 100 series of laptop computers. The lineup was presented by product developers Wayne Westley and Bruce G at the Computer Dealers Exhibition in Las Vegas. It was Apple's first foray into true notebook computers, and by almost every measure, it was a winning one. In the short term, PowerBook sales gave the company its most successful fiscal year to date at the time, and in the long run, the device helped turn laptop computers into the accessible, user-friendly technology we know today. The PowerBook 100 series may have been Apple's first true laptop, but it wasn't the company's first portable computer. In 1989, Apple had debuted the Macintosh Portable, a battery-powered personal computer that could be folded shut and carried by a built-in handle. It wouldn't qualify as a laptop by modern standards, as the Mac Portable weighed just under 16 pounds and wasn't anything you'd want to set on your lap, at least not for long. Besides its hefty weight, the Macintosh Portable was also held back by its considerable price, 
$6,500, the equivalent of nearly $16,000 today. In contrast, the three PowerBook models that launched in October of 1991 weighed between 5 and 6.8 pounds and ranged in price from $2,300 to $4,600. On the low end of that spectrum, there was the PowerBook 100. In the middle was the PowerBook 140 and the high end of the range was the PowerBook 170. Lightweight frames and low prices weren't the only things that made the PowerBook series more practical than the Macintosh Portable. The series was also loaded with new features that would eventually become standard across the industry. At the time, the two leaders in the laptop category were Toshiba and Compaq. Apple knew that in order to compete, it had to set itself apart from its competition and it aimed to do so by offering the most convenient, comfortable, and stylish laptop on the market. The design team behind the PowerBook was led by Robert Brunner, Apple's head of industrial design at the time. According to him, the goal was to create a computer that, quote, would be as easy to use and carry as a regular book. Size and weight were key factors in that equation, but even more important was the device's layout and ease of use. For example, the PowerBook was the first laptop to introduce a built-in pointing device, or mouse. Before that, users either had to carry around a plug-in cable mouse or else clip a separate trackball onto the side of their machine. The PowerBook got around this awkward need for accessories by embedding its trackball directly in the middle of the computer a design choice that was copied and carried forward in the form of modern trackpads. The inclusion of a built-in trackball also led to another PowerBook innovation, the ergonomic palm rest. At the time, all other laptops had their keyboards at the very front of the device. This made it difficult to type for extended periods when sitting in a compact space, such as at a desk or on the seat of an airplane. Users had to hold their hands high and type at an angle which inevitably led to sore wrists over time. Robert Brunner and his team solved the issue by pushing the keyboard back toward the computer screen. This left plenty of room up front, with the trackball mounted in the middle and empty space on either side of it, the perfect place to rest your palms while typing. Brunner's team clearly put more thought into the functional design of their laptop than most other manufacturers at the time. That was a conscious choice and was done in an effort to make the PowerBook feel more like a personal accessory than a business tool. The goal, as Brunner put it, was to design a computer that, quote, says something about the identity of the person who is carrying it. That intention was reflected in the machine's color as well. Apple's PowerBook had a dark granite gray color scheme which helped it stand out amidst the sea of beige or platinum-colored laptops that dominated the era. It's also worth noting that while Apple's internal design team developed the look of the PowerBook 140 and 170, the PowerBook 100 was actually designed and manufactured in collaboration with Sony, a partnership that was not repeated for future hardware. The Apple PowerBook was developed during a 10-year period when co-founder Steve Jobs was no longer involved with the company. Instead, the project was overseen by then-CEO John Scully. He had successfully grown Apple's market share by releasing lower-cost desktop computers like the Macintosh Classic and the Macintosh LC. 
Scully hoped to replicate that success in the laptop category, but he wasn't convinced the PowerBook would be the machine to do it. This led Scully to play it safe by giving the project a mere $1 million for marketing. For comparison, the Macintosh Classic received a $25 million marketing budget when it was released the previous year. Despite having considerably less money to work with, the marketing team behind the PowerBook still managed to produce a hit campaign. Most of the budget went to making a TV spot featuring retired LA Lakers basketball star Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The memorable commercial highlighted the ergonomic features of the PowerBook. It showed the 7'2 Kareem sitting uncomfortably in a cramped seat on an airplane. When he pulls out his PowerBook, he finds that while he doesn't have much leg room, his hands have plenty. Take a listen. Having embarked on a new career at the age of 45, Kareem found himself traveling in coach. At least his hands were comfortable. Only PowerBook is designed to fit the way you work. PowerBook from Apple. The ad proved to be a hit for Apple. The PowerBook line quickly captured 40% of all laptop sales, surpassing both Toshiba and Compaq as the market leader for portable computers. In its first year on store shelves, the PowerBook series generated more than $1 billion in revenue for Apple. By the end of 1992, the company announced its highest sales figures yet, $7.1 billion in revenue, driven largely by sales of the PowerBook. PowerBook remained a flagship product for Apple throughout the 1990s. New and improved models were steadily released, cementing the company's now familiar business model of offering new versions of hit products every couple years. The PowerBook name was retired for good in 2006, 10 years after Steve Jobs' triumphant return to the company. Since Jobs hadn't played a role in the product's development, he likely had no misgivings about replacing it with the MacBook. As he said that year, quote, It's a new name because we're kind of done with power, and we want Mac in the name of our products. Apple may be done with power, but its current line of MacBooks, iPads, and iPhones are still beholden to the series that helped them break into the mobile computing market all those years ago. The PowerBook is dead and gone but the effect it had on the design and functionality of laptops lives on. The surest proof of that is that my wrists don't hurt after typing this. Thanks, PowerBook. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about computer history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country. 
So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.